You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, um, and Wayne Randolph is out for one more week. Um, but that's okay, because I'm not sure how much he would contribute to this conversation. But instead, with me... Was that mean? <laughs> your, faces, your faces indicate that it was... Sorry, it, Wayne. That's what he said in the text message. He's we like, honestly, you. Chris, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, but so he's, clearly we have a lot to learn. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, and uh, sitting at this little plastic table with me um, to uh, my left is... Hi. Katie Seals. <laughs> <laughs> Names are good. Um, and Katie Seals, um, today we are talking about eating disorders and probably going to dabble a little in body image. So can you give us like the five second rundown of like why I asked you to join us? Because I have suffered or struggled with, struggled through um, an eating disorder, disordered eating. I continually am working on disordered eating. Awesome. Well, not awesome. No, no, it's but not. You know what I mean. Um, so, Vulnerability is awesome. Though. Yes, it is. Um, and then across the table from me is... Christina Zandi. And Christina Zandi um, is... Well, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell, tell us why I asked you to come speak with us. Well, first of all, because I'm awesome. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> because eating disorders are kind of my bag. I um, specialize in them. Uh, I've worked with them over 10 years at various levels of care from uh, residential facilities on out to my private practice. And um, so I have a lot of experience, a lot of training in this area. Um, so it's one of my areas of expertise and yeah. I like to talk about it. And she's a, a marriage and family therapist. Yes. Um, and so she like literally is a pro. <laughs> in this subject. And so um, if you've been working in the, I guess, the Christian school scene, been working with high schoolers for any given amount of time, then you're probably very aware of the fact that eating disorders um, and body image issues are a thing. But mm -hmm. what we understand of them kind of like on the popular level and kind of, um, I guess, I guess what we see on TV or what we assume about teenagers um, is very different from what eating disorders actually are, what disordered eating actually is. And so, um, Christina, would you mind filling us in first? Like, okay, well, when we say eating disorders, like mm -hmm. technically, what are we talking about here? Uh, so eating disorders would, there's a bunch of different types of eating disorders, but basically it's where um, you manipulate um, food, body weight, exercise, those kinds of things um, in service of um, either weight loss or control of um, parts of your body, um, or it could also be related to having um, emotions that you are expressing through the food that you're consuming or not consuming. Um, there's a lot of different, obviously, contributing factors, but it all kind of boils down to um, not feeling okay in your own skin and then taking drast up to drastic measures to try to remedy that. Anything to add to that, Katie? I was going to say, it kind of sounds like most people I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. The way you described it, I was like, shoot. It's, it's like, wait. Everyone. Doesn't everyone do that with food? Well, um, which kind of reveals which, yeah, of my state. Awesome. Um, I mean, I can go into the specifics of like the, the most prevalent ones, but sure. I just was right. giving yeah. like the overview of kind of where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like the what you tagged on at the end there of kind of like the extreme, like it can mm -hmm. it can get extreme and mm -hmm. like 
dangerous. Even mentioning the fact that it can get extreme, like points to the fact that this is it's on a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. Like that there's Absolutely. not like a um, if you are X, then you have an eating disorder. If you are Y, then you do not. But right. like there's like scale, kind of like life, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, it's not as binary as we would like it to be. And so like if we're talking about, um, yeah, some of like the big ones, mm-hmm. um, and not not that like. You know what I mean? Not like just yes. some disorders are bigger than others, but rather that like what what are the ones that like tend to crop up or mm-hmm. that are most prevalent um, or that you come across the most? So um, actually, the most prevalent eating disorder is binge eating disorder. Um, we don't talk about it a lot, but that is the most prevalent. Um, but the ones that you probably have heard of would be um, like anorexia, bulimia, um, and some people will say they have both, mm-hmm. um, but really they're two separate diagnoses that have different criteria. Hmm. Um, so there's those, and there's also like eating disorders, um, unspecified. So, uh, it's a category where you don't fit neatly into the other categories, but you still have a lot of disorder going on and a lot of struggle. Um, and I think one distinction to make kind of in my overview is it has to cause a pretty significant level of, uh, suffering and, and decline in functioning for it to really be an eating disorder versus disordered eating, which would be more like, you know, you just maybe have some weird stuff with food, but it's not coming to that clinical level. Got it. it. Okay. Yeah. So, we have like those three. Um, so the most common binge eating disorder um, and then anorexia and bulimia. Can you mm-hmm. walk us through those three just sure. so we can like get a lay of the landscape? Sure. So I'll start with um, anorexia. This is probably the one people are most familiar with because there's been a lot of things like either in the media or whatever. Um that we've heard about or, you know, we tend to think that we know about. But with anorexia, basically, there is um, a lot of starvation going on, reducing um, caloric intake. There is um, an obsession with body weight and size and evaluating yourself based on that. Um, Like your self-worth is directly correlated with your body. Um, And also there would be Um, There's like health concerns that can come across with that. But a lot of times it is a weight loss. And people can do that in different ways. Um, Like uh, some people overexercise. But people restrict everything from food to even liquids. Mm. Um, And um, yeah, so with anorexia, you're looking at somebody who is dropping a lot of weight really quickly. Um, One of the things that I want to point out is that's kind of a misnomer and that actually was updated in the most recent diagnostic manual. That's to get super (laughs) tight. Technical, but one of the things that was dropped is uh, the weight requirement that they have to be hmm. underweight to be classified as anorexia. You actually don't need to have any specific um, body size to have anorexia because if you are in a bigger body and you lose a ton of weight really quickly mm. from eating just from anorexic behavior, then you would still fall under right. the category of anorexia. Right. That makes sense. Okay. And like, I think that it's important. I think that's a really good. I guess a specifier because if, if these are like mental disorders, right. Mm -hmm. If it's, then it's not just like about a waistline size or um, an amount of pounds. Um, and even if there is like the stereotypical, like gaunt emaciated person that you see on some Mm -hmm. like reality TV show, there's, um, there are people who uh, like internally can be struggling the same amount, but are built differently than the emaciated little girl on Mm -hmm. TV. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. anorexia. So that we That's, have extreme exercising. Um, and not always, rest- but that can be a part of the the attempts to right. weight loss. But it's about like weight mm-hmm. loss and restriction. Um, so how does that differ from bulimia? I th- I feel like 
on the surface, usually I hear that like bulimia like has to do with like throwing up is mm-hmm. um, usually what? Um, it can. Okay. So basically in order to um, be diagnosed with bulimia, you have to both binge and purge. Okay. So binging um, a lot, we use that over like, you know, we say we binge watch things. We say mm. binge all the time. It's become this kind of word that doesn't really mean anything anymore. Yeah. Um, but binging in the eating disorder world um, is a very, very large amount of food in a short amount of time. It wouldn't be a normal meal size. It wouldn't even be like your Thanksgiving dinner that you overeat a few bites and feel really full. Mm. Um, a binge is a very, very large quantity of food. Um, and people, when they're binging, tend to tend to like report that they check out, kind wow. of almost dissociate. And it's like a numb thing that they're just kind of putting everything in and they don't even feel it. They don't really wow. know when they're hunger or when they're satiated at all. So, um, I mean, examples have been pretty extreme because I've worked at higher levels of care, but you know, it'll be like the person doesn't even wait for the frozen pizza to 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 cook all the way. We'll eat that. We'll eat a loaf of bread, a pint of ice cream, a bag of chips, and that all together. Oh, wow. So when we're talking about a binge, it's a very, very large amount of food. So I just want to be really specific yeah. on that. And it's... um. Uh, and then the purging part is when um, vomiting is the most common. So self-induced vomiting. When somebody has done this for a long time, they probably don't even have to induce it. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the last time you felt uncomfortably full, it probably isn't always as hard as it seems. Mm, um, yeah. So sometimes people, like everybody, what's interesting is that everybody kind of has a different level of being able to do that. Right. Um, and so for people who have a harder time with purging in that way, they can use um, diuretics, laxatives, um, emetics, like to produce the vomiting as well. Okay. Um, sometimes people even use substances um, to purge, like they'll drink uh, a lot of alcohol to make themselves nauseous. Oh, wow. Um, so you, there's multiple ways to purge, and even sometimes over-exercise can be considered um, a way of purging. Wow. Interesting. If it's right after, you know, if it is in the cycle, um, yeah. then it would be connected. Got like, it. I just did that. I need to go run mm-hmm. 10 miles. And just a distinction, because we already mentioned the anorexia, anorexia actually has a subtype of purging type. The difference is they don't binge. Mm. Mm. Dang. Interesting. So basically, I ate three carrots and threw up. Is that really a binge and a purge, right. or is that just a purge? Got it. Interesting. Yeah. So that's why huh. it has that subtype, like right. separate from okay, mm-hmm. polemia. Okay. So is it with binge binge eating disorder? Yes. Right. Um, is that basically the like what bulimia minus the purge or? Um, essentially there's, there's a little more to it. Um, usually people with binge eating disorder, uh, they binge frequently, they can plan their binges. Um, they do not have any sort of purging behavior. Um, but they might still try to diet. Usually these people are yo-yo dieters, you know, Mm. they'll go on some crash diet and it doesn't work or they're like lifetime members of Weight Watchers. Mm. Um, so they're just kind of cycling through every diet they can think of, um, because of the massive amounts of shame about their bodies. Mm. Um, and not everybody with binge eating disorder is overweight, but a a good amount are, um, and just feel very out of control of their bodies. Um, with all of the eating disorders, there's always shame around the body. There's always, um, the attempt to control the body in some sort of way. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, before we get into that connection with like body image Mm -hmm. and how that connects with shame, what is like, I feel like stereotypically, um, what people assume is that eating disorders, that is a, first of all, it's a female thing. Mm -hmm. And second of all, it's a young female thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and even like as you were going through some of those behaviors, I'm like, I know older men who uh, have these same criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
Why she look at me weird? <laughs> uh, Maybe she knows point. the same people. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so, like, so tell us, like, is the like demographically, mm-hmm. um, is there is there sort of like a a target group that's like really susceptible to this, mm-hmm. or is it like um, are the stereotypes kind of true? Are they not true? Like, what what's going on with like that? Great question. Because yeah, there's definitely stereotypes there. Um, the truth truth of the matter is, it goes across gender. It goes across ages it goes across cultures um so no one's really immune um and so even though there is a higher prevalence in our western culture than there are in other countries in our within our western culture um there isn't a huge um gap where there are people who don't fall into a category of risk um the higher risk categories though would probably be um athletes um Any any situation that you're in where there is a focus on your physical abilities um, and there are things more risk factors in the teenage population um, for appearance. Um, however, we live in a culture where media is super influential. And so and it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50, you're going to be subject to the same the same trigger there. Right. Um, so it really goes across everything. And males are often overlooked and their numbers are actually less only because they don't report it as frequently. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And because people are less likely to look for it in a male. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember this was like in my freshman um, in college health class, um, the body dysmorphic disorder mm-hmm. like surfacing, like, or I heard it called bigorexia. Yes. Does that classify as an eating disorder or is that something totally different so there's a couple of different like offshoots that are not mm-hmm. in like a clinical diagnostic manual kind of thing Got but it. they're kind of op- open for interpretation and they're still disordered um bigorexia is um in the it, it, it's prim- prim- primarily in males but you could probably find it in any bodybuilding community hmm. yeah. so which encompasses females as well um but it's the obsession with how to gain mass hmm. um and going to extreme lengths like a lot of binging is usually involved and um and then restricting like you know the cut you know mm. or yeah. whatever uh right. so there's Gosh. seasons for that um, and that and that definitely would be disordered eating, um, and it could lead into an actual eating disorder um, if taken further. Uh, and then there's also what we call orthorexia, which is really super common. I feel like, especially in California, Southern we, California, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's basically you know just an obsession with like quote unquote healthy living, healthy eating, and these are the people who all they talk about is their nutrition. All they talk about in any setting is what they're eating, how they're exercising what they're what they're doing with their body like that's just all encompassing in their life like the obsessive non like i'm not saying that gmos and non-organic food is good but like those who like it's like they are committing a crazy sin if they had an apple that didn't have an organic sticker on it Mm-hmm. Um, like would those would that fit into that like orthorex? Right, and there's usually a lot of rigidity around food, so you'll find these people have little variety. You uh-huh. know, like I wouldn't, you know, I had, I'm going to eat a bran muffin instead of have a piece of birthday cake. Got like, okay. you know, just a lot of rigidity, and they usually eat the same things over and over. And there's a there's like a safety net of like these are the foods I'll eat, and mm-hmm. that's it. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Huh. Okay, so uh, we have like this wide array, but like this kind of 
common factor that like has shown up in each of your descriptions is this like relationship with the body, whether mm-hmm. like making sure that the body is swole enough or if it's <laughs> tiny enough or having shame about one's size. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it kind of like they're all of them seem to have this sort of connection to mm-hmm. the body. So um, I think body image and eating disorder oftentimes like are hand in hand. Or I, th- I think even commonly sometimes mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like how do these things feed each other? Like what's the relationship between these things and are they different mm-hmm. or yeah. Uh, they are both. So um, <laughs> I would say there's a lot of people who struggle with body image um, and not all the people who struggle with body image have eating disorders. Right. Um, however, like I'm just pulling out a little, um, definition. So, so body image is defined as the subjective opinion about one's physical appearance based on self-perception of body size and shape and the reaction of others. Mm. So, um, that is a national eating disorders association Mm -hmm. definition of body image. Um, body image has much more to do with your perception of your body than what you actually are. Um, and I just, I forgot to throw this in when I was talking earlier about, um, cause you had mentioned body dysmorphic. Mm. Um, but there's a cognitive distortion that happens a lot of times with clinical level eating disorders where a person looks in the mirror and does not see themselves accurately. Mm. Um, So they basically, you know, they may have this thin emaciated body and they look in the mirror and they see a much bigger person. Um, And so it's very hard to convince somebody that their eyes are lying to them. Mm. Um, So I'm just putting that in there because it goes back around to the body image. It's a perception. How do I see what I look like? Not like necessarily what do I actually look like what are my measurements what are you know what I mean like there's no real science behind a body image it's literally just how do I view myself and how do I think others are viewing me yeah so it's all about the individual's perception of their body okay so you threw out this phrase their eyes are lying to them Mm -hmm. like do our eyes do like well obviously like if it happens like what what does that mean like that our eyes lie to us because like I think that there's this assumption especially be like with like scientism and like oh everything that we can observe, like Mm -hmm. that's what's real. Um, and anything that's like internal or thought like that's, that's like fake imagination Mm -hmm. stuff. But like even our, I guess our data instruments, if our eyes themselves can kind of like give us different, different information, Mm -hmm. um, like what is that? Like, how does that happen? How do our (laughs) eyes lie to us? Well, um, think about it this way. Um, If I look at an object and I say it's a, you know, it's blue and you look at the same object and you say it's aqua, are you wrong or am I wrong? Hmm. Okay. Right? Like, I mean, it could be both. It's both blue and it's both, you know, it just depends on how our vision is and things like that. Also, to separate out your, your actual like I with um, emotions when they're all kind of connected is mm-hmm. also a thing. Um, I I kind of liken it to like, I mean, this is in a positive direction, but you know, if you um, are in the dating scene and you, th- you get to know somebody, but you're not really interested in them, you're not attracted to them, but then you get to know them, what happens? They become more attractive. And then all of a sudden your eyes see something different. Right. Okay. So emotion influences what we see. Got it. Um, and so, like, you know, it's all and your eyes are right there next to your brain and all yeah. those things. So <laughs> kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But also I want to throw in there that a lot of times the distortions don't happen until the malnourishment happens. Hmm. So the malnourishment is what also can throw you off cognitively. People have hallucinations when they're malnourished. People wow. have all kinds of yeah. visual disturbances or they get sensitive to light or they start having headaches or, you know, all these things. So it makes sense that they're looking at something that's like almost like a 
um, projected image of themselves and not accurate. Hmm. Um, and along with that, I will f- I've found that people will look back at a picture mm-hmm. of themselves and be like, wait, that's what I look like? Because I thought I looked a lot bigger, but this, like, I wouldn't say that this person is fat or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? So sometimes if they're holding a picture in their hand, they're like, oh, whoa, like, like that just trips them out because it's not what they're seeing in the mirror. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I I stopped because I said that's crazy and we're talking about mental disorder so um that's rude that's rude Christopher Seals um so okay so you kind of went through like you already kind of did some of the symptoms but like let's say you're a person who's listening to this and you said um I don't remember if it was before we were recording or what but you mentioned that like sometimes people can have eating disorders and and then like totally not know that they Mm -hmm. have an eating disorder so like what what would be like a good what are some like questions that a person could ask themselves to take some self inventory mm-hmm. and then like maybe some questions that you could be like hey my friend is exhibiting these behaviors how do right. I like identify mm-hmm. like not necessarily like we're not therapists so we can't right. we're not going right. right. to diagnose but how to be like to hey you should, mm-hmm. you should talk to someone you should talk to someone yeah <laughs> so um i think with the self inventory um just looking at how This is a really good one for self-inventory. How often during the day are you thinking about food? Hmm. Like how consuming is food and exercise in your life? Um, How much hours of your day are you spending on that? You know, Um, because there's always an obsessive quality. Um, And also, are you compensating? Like every meal, do you feel like you have to work that off? Are you counting calories and then counting, you know, going to the gym and going on the machine to look at how many calories you burn to like balance it out? Um, So how much, like I, it sounds weird, but how much math are you doing related to food? Mm. Um, If that's consuming your life. Um, I would also say how often are you looking at yourself? Um, Like how often are you checking? Because body checking is another symptom. Um, Like am I constantly grabbing different parts of my body to see how much I can grab and if mm. it's gotten smaller or if I, I can fit my fingers around my wrist or whatever mm. that looks like. Um, so those are some self inventory and also just how am I feeling? Am I tired? Am mm. I fatigued all the time? Do I feel like I don't have any energy? Um, do I feel like I'm forcing it every day? Do I feel like I'm faking it every day? Mm. Um, am I super perfectionistic? Everything has to be perfect or I'm a failure. Um, those would be some self, I guess, identifiers. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those are kind of like they're good questions for discussion but like if i like so if i'm asking myself okay do i think about food too much if i'm one of those like if i'm like okay well i think about food 75 percent of my waking hours but that's normal right like how how do we check that against something Mm -hmm. else to know that's weird or not weird that's disorder or that's not healthy or like Mm -hmm. how do i know or how does one know what's healthy and what's not in in regards to how much they think and how Mm -hmm. restrictive they are that's a good question so it has to cause dysfunction Mm. Okay. So if you are avoiding going out with your friends because you know that it's going to be too stressful for you to calculate or not know what's in your food to to be able to, you know, do whatever I call it eating disorder math, but whatever eating disorder <laughs> math you have to do to yeah. like make that a thing um, or food math, however you want to call it. Um, like if you, if it is holding you back from doing other things in your life, it if, if it is becoming a priority over the things that you th- you actually believe are more important but can't mm. stop that process if it's feeling like it's out of control if it's feeling like it's too much and it's a really heavy burden yeah okay that's helpful Mm -hmm. yeah that's good because you can really like food and i mean people have jobs as foodies right and that's totally a different thing right because it's in the context right yeah absolutely okay so then how how does a person get there 
right? Like, I well, even just listening to some of these criteria, I'm like, well, it seems like most of American culture mm-hmm. gets us there. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, like, just naturally, because, like, everything, uh, at least when you're staring at a screen, everything is either, like, a a photoshopped version of mm-hmm. human beauty or delicious looking hamburgers. Um, yes. And so like we're constantly Very mixed being, messages. Yeah, we're being fed Extremely both, mixed of, messages. both of them consistently, which I'm like, of course we're thinking about food all the time and the way we look. I Even like there's a billboard, like one of those electronic billboards mm-hmm. that flashes on our, on our nearest intersection um, to our house and there's these mommy makeover signs. Like after mm, Mother's Day, they yes. came up. Um, I don't know if you've noticed mm. them, but like all of them, like at first they just look like like bikini ads with teenagers but then you're like wait that's supposed to be that's supposed to be like a 45 year old woman with like four Um, kids yeah yeah looking like a 13 year old Mm -hmm. um and so like we're constantly being bombarded Mm. with these these different images these different messages so i know that culture isn't Mm -hmm. helping us but like not everybody has an eating disorder right Right. so what are Mm. what are some of the things that that cause disordered eating and, Mm -hmm. and like get people there yeah, um, definitely. I mean, like you said, the diet culture and there's a lot of funding pumped into that. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big industry. It is. <laughs> um, I could go on and on about yeah. that, but <laughs> for the sake of time. Um, so some contributing factors to eating disorders would be um, family dynamics, families who operate in shame based um, full lot like a lot of shame based stuff. Families who don't who brush feelings under the rug don't talk about feelings. Mm. Um, a lot of times, eating disorders are an expression of feelings um, that they're holding in, um, and like some of these people don't even know how to name a feeling when mm. they get to treatment. Um, yeah. So, uh, like the neglect of like that kind of emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, Can I interrupt and ask a question mm-hmm. about that? So that was a question I had back at like the body image part was. So if it so if that's kind of like a cause or whatever, then is that related to body image necessarily, or is it or is it you know letting out the feelings, or is it control, or is it because I've had you know people say like oh it's you know you just need to control something in your life so you control food, mm-hmm. or like if you you know you can't express feelings so you use food or whatever it may be. Um, so is that really connected to the body image part? Then does that make sense? What I'm asking? Um, it is and it isn't because like I said they're multi layered. Okay. So basically yeah. it kind of comes back to like I'm going to use my body as a vessel to feel like I'm in control of what's mm. going on emotionally. Mm. Hmm. Um, instead of it being like, I'm going to cry or I'm going to, you know, express it in some other way. So then that wouldn't necessarily be like, I think I am, you know, fat or skinny or whatever. It's more of. Well, and it gets into that. And once they get in the eating disorder, then it becomes more and more about the body. And then it completely kind of takes on a life of its own at that point. But we're talking about like, kind of like this is where Where it it starts starts. and then it kind of rolls. Yeah. It rolls down the hill. It's crazy. It's like a monster like it like it turns into something it snowballs yeah like even so like an eating disorder can start as having nothing to do necessarily with with body image but then turn into right body image right crazy um difficulty in family relationships is a trigger dieting family members so if you grew up in a, a you know in a family where everyone was either like on a diet talking about dieting or constantly assessing um body in their own body image Mm -hmm. right talking about bodies talking maybe even talking about the kid's body um or limiting like certain foods or things like that um that definitely contributes to the mindset of it um and normalizes like oh yeah like i just have to always eat diet stuff and low fat stuff and whatever um 
or that like feeling of your worth being about that, mm. like from a parent, especially. Mm. Um, and like society's kind of, we actually have a very big problem with size bias. Mm. So like, you know, if somebody is in a thinner body, we think that that's better. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, you could line up a thin body and a bigger body and you would not be able to know which body is healthier, actually, mm. unless you were like a doctor and like know what's going on internally. Right? right. So, you know, the size itself is not what determines um, a person's worth or health or anything. But our society kind of tells us yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Um, and makes assumptions too. Um, so there's a lot of that pressure, perfectionism, um, growing up in a, you know, family where you have to do everything perfect. You have to get the straight A's. You have to be (laughs) captain of the team. You have to be all of the things. Um, that's a really strong predictor. Um, but I, I will say the number one predictor of eating disorders, as far as I have ever seen, um, is emotional sensitivity. Um, people who are empaths tend to be, um, people who who go into eating disorders, wow. they feel the world. The way that I describe it is um, they're like an octopus. They go in everywhere with all their eight legs and they feel everything that's going on from everybody in the room. And then they also have their own really sensitive core. Um, and that gets very overwhelming. And the eating Jeez. disorder kind of gives them a way to kind of go inward and just like control this one thing and then that puts a shield up. Um, so that I think I have seen I mean, I've rarely seen a case that doesn't fit that. Wow. Wow. That's cr- Oh my goodness. Okay. So, like, <laughs> so as, so I had like, as you were going through some of these causes, mm-hmm. I had like my Christian school Bible teacher yes. and like even like Christian school attendee, um, radar yeah. on and I'm like, okay, so perfectionism yeah. check, check. <laughs> um, and thinking about like stuffing your feelings and yes. sweeping them under the rug mm-hmm. check, um, this push to be empathetic. We're like, look at the way that Jesus lived his life. And he was like, in everybody's, um, in not like I'm saying everybody's business, but like he, he cared, cared about, about everybody. He had compassion on right. everybody. He didn't have any boundaries cause he was always constantly giving. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually did. Have a lot. Right. Know, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that, do we? Yeah. And, and Side note. <laughs> healthy boundaries. And so that's what I think is interesting is that I think that like, as you're going through those things, I'm like the, like the actual gospel, mm-hmm. um, the, the truth of Christianity like actually seems like it would be a huge asset to people with eating disorders because perfectionism shouldn't be a thing because Jesus is perfect for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't have to hide our feelings or sweep them under the rug because like just read the Psalms and they're just like constantly. Or, you know, Jesus wept. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite memory verse. Two words in the verse. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's all these examples of like actually letting your feelings out Mm -hmm. of actually like even really ugly stuff toward God Mm -hmm. in the Psalms. Um, and the Bible kind of encourages us, like, yeah. this is how we pray. There's a this book time. called Lamentations. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so we don't have to sweep our feelings under the rug. And, right. like, we, yes, Jesus is compassionate, but he also sneaks off to the mountains right. to, like, pray and be alone. And he, mm-hmm. like, he spends his first 30 years of his life in obscurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that there's, like, true Christianity, like, truth actually helps with a lot of these like Mm -hmm. potential causes um and i mean ultimately god wants us to have healthy families where like people feel secure and loved by um their parents and their siblings and i i think what sucks though is that christian culture is not christianity always aligned yeah Mm -hmm. and in fact like when i think of as much as even if we're teaching good theology like the way that it gets brought out at least in christian school can be like okay yeah god gave you grace but make sure that you don't ever mess up Mm -hmm. yeah it's moralism for sure like make sure that you're perfect make sure that you never sin and god will continue to love you he Mm -hmm. loves you anyway but make sure you don't ever sin because god 
he really Which won't is like you. Very fear based as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and then like we tell people, well, if we want to be a good witness, then we need to not have yeah. any problems. We need to have like pearly white teeth, and we need to always look perfect so that mm-hmm. we can lead people to Christ by being perfect and being like we distort being a city on the hill or mm-hmm. being like the light to the world as I need to be unrealistically perfect, mm-hmm. um, which again, like feeds into all of that. And then as we mentioned before, like, yeah, don't have boundaries. Um, make sure that you're feeling for everybody. And like, there's part of me that's like, Oh, like, well, no wonder, well, like I see a lot of this as you're talking. I'm mm-hmm. like, doesn't everybody have like a uh, eating disorder or body image issues? And I'm like, well, it's cause I work in a Christian school <laughs> and I've been in the Christian culture and we feed it. Mm-hmm. Right? We feed those things. Yeah. I, will, hey, I, hey, I will just say really quick though, with um, the empath thing, it's not a, empathy that's produced it's a temperament oh okay so it's they're they're born that way oh okay they're hardwired born to absorb and to be real they actually it's a gift yeah it's a gift to feel that it's a gift to feel everything very intensely and it's a gift to be able to pick up on other people's intense feelings so it's not just about like i you know i'm talking to you and i feel what you're feeling i'm saying these people walk into a room like can just look at you and be like oh my gosh you're going through so much right now yeah they just have this uh, really deep connection yeah. um, and they're born with it. And yeah. so their entire lives feel kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. for that reason. And they're the ones that have been called too sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones that have been called crybabies. They're the mm-hmm. ones who, Drama queen. right, exactly. Their parents, you know, have told <laughs> them to suck it up. Yeah. Um, and they just can't seem to do that because it's hardwired in them. But they've wow. been shamed for that. All right. They can make really good therapists, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So here's what we'll do. We'll um, have some student interviews um, about this topic, um, and then we'll hear um, Katie's story. Like, with all of this information there, we'll we'll have Katie share her story and how some of this worked itself out, like, um, through the different phases of her life and how that's interacted with Christianity um, and God. So how often would you say you think about your body or the way that you look? I definitely think about my body daily, and it's definitely never in a positive way. Um, I just feel like I'm always surrounded by people who look better than me, and like body-wise, and yeah, I just have a negative view of myself. Well, usually, like, whenever I just like catch a reflection of myself in the mirror, I just think of like 20 million things to fix because I see all these things online and like I know most of it is Photoshop and plastic surgery, but in my head subconsciously I always think I could always look like that and I feel like I'm sometimes even not enough when I don't look like that. And it really hurts like what how I think sometimes, but every day I'm gaining self-confidence and not looking at the magazines and be like, I want to be like this and instead of saying that I'm saying I look like this and I'm beautiful and I'm happy with the way I am. Almost every day when I look in the mirror. um, How often do you do that? um, Just like once a day or when I eat. um, Like I always known that my like I'm a little bit overweight uh, even though I run a lot and play sports uh, but that's something like I've been on my mind that I need to lose weight for like I still don't have health issues but I see it as uh, my body it's something that God gave me uh, and if I lose more weight uh, I will be more sport capable and I can do more things uh, to glorify God um, so yeah every single day I think about it it's harder than I thought 
and like other people think uh, because you kind of get used to it uh, but yeah I'm trying to change that yeah. uh, but it's nothing that upsets me and that will make me just stay home because of that yeah. I feel like I think about that mainly when I'm looking in the mirror or like when I'm getting dressed because in my closet I have this full body mirror and every time I put something on I mean like I guess I see myself and that spurs the thought but unless I'm like looking at something else maybe like someone else's body in a magazine or like like commercials at like Ross or something when I'm going to shop for clothes I'll see what they look like and then compare it to what I look like really subconsciously um, and I feel like when I was younger that was something that really bothered me but now that I'm getting older I realize that there isn't really one ideal body type um, and I feel like I've become a lot more comfortable in my own skin and what bothers me most is I don't know, just the fact that we can be put down so much by what society says we're supposed to look like when it's not realistic. So I think like through thinking about it logically, it's something that doesn't really bother me anymore, but I still think about it. What messages do you feel like are communicated to you either by like the media or culture or like people around you about your body or the way you look? Um, I feel like the main message is that if you don't have a good body, you're like secondary in society. Like you're not powerful. You can't do things if you don't have a good body. Well, usually whenever you see any like commercials or any magazines, they're all like so touched up and like look almost like fake. And that's like the image that the society wants us to be. Like you have to be perfect all the time, wherever you are. Just, you know, thin, carved, like clear face and everything. And people have their flaws. like. And people aren't always going to look plastic, like even the best or the most beautiful models don't look like that in every day. So it puts like a very false image and it just ruins people's minds sometimes because they want to look like that so much to the point where they do unspeakable things, like actually changing how they look instead of appreciating what God made them to be. Um, no one really like tells me, oh, you're fat. Uh, but like when I play sport, if I'm because I'm maybe a little bit slower, I'm used to football and I don't have to run during football. Uh, but I have to run when I play soccer or something. Uh, so when I play these sports with other people who know how to play really well, uh, I kind of feel that I'm not as as good. Uh, but I kind of say, you know what, I'm smarter than these people. I'm like better than these people in something else. Uh, just to be humble. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I see that yes, I want to be like these people, uh, but it's not the most important thing. Uh, I'm not saying that that what I'm doing is bad and eating that much is bad. It's like is good. I know that it's not good for my health, but it's nothing that like gives me depression. Um, that is probably they think it's the thing that matters the most about you, um, not what's inside of you, as in like how you think or how you how you act with other people um, and so because they're placing everything so materialistically they think that you're rated completely based off of the way your body looks and because you can control it to a certain extent like I don't know if you work out or if you keep yourself thin or something then they judge your character based off of that rather than having a conversation with you and realizing who you actually are. As you were talking about um, like the relationship at the home, like from a young age, you know, being around people dieting, I feel like um, my life was dieting. Um, I, I want to say like fourth grade, my stepdad um, was like obsessed, so obsessed, um, bodybuilder. 
I would go to the gym with him in fourth grade and I'd hear all like his, you know, old buff friends be like, oh, look how cute she is. Oh, wow. She's so strong. Mm -hmm. She can, you know, lift the barbell, blah, blah, blah. And I remember feeling like, wow, I'm impressive. Um, and I think, I feel like that's maybe like my earliest memory. Like I'm, I can be impressive through my body or I can be impressive through, um, how strong I am or, I get attention that way, like positive attention, especially from males, you know, coming from a divorced home. Clearly there was, um, you know, something going on there. Um, and so, and also seeing, you know, my stepdad, who's someone at the beginning, um, I was, you know, I loved him. He was like my savior. He was, he was that dad that would, um, protect me and sweep me off my feet and, um, love me. And so seeing him do these things, um, like I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be with him. He would, yeah, do, do all the teas that would cause him to use the bathroom regularly mm -hmm. so that he could lose weight. Um, he was always watching like the fighting, what is it like UFC, whatever fighting yeah. stuff on TV. I remember watching those things with him and pretending like we're wrestlers. And, um, so I feel like it, like it was really early. Um, and then junior high, I remember, um, you know, my brother was also, you know, started lifting and stuff. And I remember wanting to be like him cause he was, um, my favorite person in the world. And, um, and so kind of watching him as a thrower, he threw shot put and discus. And so in junior high, I started doing that. Like, I want to be just like him, just like Danny. And, um, so I, I wanted to get into the throwing scene, which meant like lifting and, um, you know, lots of exercise. But I also remember around the same time, um, you know, wanting boys to like me and, and knowing, seeing that, um, they liked a certain type of girl. That was my perception. Um, so how am I going to be this like awesome weightlifter, but also look like that girl who is going to get that guy to like her. Um, so I remember being obsessed with that and junior high, like early on, um, I don't know. I remember asking my mom, like, um, how does this make me look? Does this look okay on me? Um, can you see my fat right here? Like different things like that. I would ask her those questions. And, um, and I think too, you know, I, I don't really like remember her being sad about what the way her body looked, but knowing that she would talk about it. Um, I remember her talking about her body and, and I remember her talking about her dieting and, um, the different, like, you know, uh, what is it called? Like the vegetable soup, the cabbage soup diet, like all mm -hmm. those different things. Um, so I remember that, you know, early on as well in junior high and, um, it just continued through high school. Um, I remember it, becoming even more obsessive. I, again, I was still lifting. I was, I was a weightlifter. I was a thrower. I was the best. I had to be the best. just like my brother. And, um, but at the same time I, um, wanted to be small. And, um, so I would do all the lifting and do all the exercising, which when you're doing that, you're hungry. And so you eat, but then I would remember thinking like, Oh, I just ate that shoot. I can't look like her. And so then I would, um, restrict or I would, um, only have like diet sodas all day to make my stomach feel like it had something, but, um, but not actually taking the calories. And then I remember the diet pills and, um, and like even being allowed, you know, being permitted by my family to like go and buy these things, like mm -hmm. take the diet pills. Um, you know, over summer, I remember I had the time. And so in the morning I would go do my, you know, however many mile run. And then the afternoon I would go as well because I ate that day. And, um, just like the obsession, it was just constant obsession, um, excessive exercising and, um, just feeling like you couldn't, I could never like keep up with mm -hmm. it. Um, how I wanted to, I remember having friends who were, um, I, I mean, they would, 
binge and purge or they, um, you know, I'm trying to like think of all the terms that you were using. They would, you know, we'd go out for a dance or something where you all go to dinner in the limo, you know, and then instead of getting actual dinner, um, they'd get like the giant sized like chocolate fudge, whatever layer cake and just eat that. And then later they would go throw it up. And it's like, I remember seeing that with my friends and these are the girls that the guys liked because of the way they looked. And, um, I remember thinking like, that's what I got to do. Like I got to do that. Um, but I I just really liked food. And so it was that like constant mental battle. Um, I really want to have all these things. And like, I like, I like food and I, Mm -hmm. and I want to eat the, the chicken sandwich and the cake and the whatever. Um, but then having like, like this guilt afterwards and shame, a lot of shame, um, and so like, oh, wow, Dan, like your sister eats like a, a dude or whatever, you know. Um, and then I'd hear that comment and be like, oh, well, I guess I better restrict for a couple of days. Um, so it was like constant um, back and forth, back and forth, like eating a ton and then restricting and punishing myself almost for um, how stupid I was or how like these are my thoughts then um, how I shouldn't have I shouldn't have what I should and shouldn't have done. And um, and then I remember um thinking that it had gotten better a little bit in college. Um, but then, you know, you've got like this, whatever you want to call a freshman 15 or ever you're adjusting to a new lifestyle. And so your body changes, um, you know, you're in college, you're you're staying up all night long. Exactly. I'm becoming (laughs) like a woman. Um, but, and then being confused and not being able to manipulate my body. You know, um, we recently were just talking and saying how like, um, I would call it the slave, like it's the slave, like do what I want you to do. Um, yeah, yeah. You're inferior. Do what I want. Why can't you just, Mm -hmm. um, listen to me? Like you're out of control. Like a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I remember waking up in college and, um, and you know, I'm in Bible college. I'm, I'm in a Christian school. I'm like all godly. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then here I am in the morning waking up, doing my devotion, drinking my diet Mountain Dew Mm -hmm. and, um, not feeding myself until like later in the day when I couldn't stand it anymore. Mm Um, and having that go on for, for a really long time and then getting married and bringing that into a marriage. Um, and I remember there were some times when like we would wake up to go to church. (laughs) Um, I would get up, you know, three hours before we had to leave and I would stand in front of the closet and just like, it just looked like a disaster, just like ripping clothes out, putting everything on and then throwing it off and screaming and crying, standing in front of the mirror, bawling. And, and here my husband's just like, Oh my gosh, like what? <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He's like, what's happening? You know? And then we'd end up yelling at each other. And, um, and I'm like, before going to church, you know, it's just like, and which I know I maybe shouldn't matter, but just like when you put it together, it's kind of like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember then I got this job at coffee bean, um, and that was kind of when it hit at its peak. I would go in super early, you know, you work at a coffee shop, you go in like five or so. And I would eat something super small in the morning, go in, and then you're with pastries and delicious like frappuccinos or whatever they are, like all these like blended drinks um, all day long. And you have to taste things and you have to, um, you know, tell people what things are like or, um, you know, how much this and that. And people are coming through the drive through saying like, you know, can I get a skinny, sugar-free, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you're like hearing it all day long. Um, and I'm like staring at these pastries, but I would starve myself all the way until like dinner time until Chris got home. And then, um, then I would let myself eat, but then I'm starving and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, well, I didn't eat all day. So then I would just like go crazy, like eat everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't, it's like, I didn't know when I was full. I didn't mm-hmm. know. Um, you lost your hunger cues. And totally. Cues. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, so I just keep going, going, going. I mean, it even got to the point where I would like consume 
lots of alcohol as well because mm-hmm. I'm then I'm like I just need to escape I just mm-hmm. need to like no, I don't want to think about how mm-hmm. I'm feeling this is awful but then later I'm like oh all those calories from the wine or whatever it was you know am I allowed to say that on here <laughs> um and so um I remember one day at work on my on my break I had met this girl at APU um in college I don't even I don't remember really if she like went there necessarily but I just remember meeting her randomly her name was Katie as well and I remember um having this conversation with her randomly one day and she was hospitalized, um, and was so thin that she almost died. And so like, she just changed her whole life. And I remember talking with her and being like, Oh, I, I, I want that freedom. I want like, and she still looked to me in that time looked great. And I'm like, how do you like be so free and look great still? You know, like I want to be like you or whatever. But I had her phone number and I remember on, on my break, I was just, I like couldn't take it anymore. It was so bad. I was so miserable. I, um, I couldn't think about anything else. It was, it was like one, I don't want to say like 100% in my mind all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, and so I called her and I was like, I can't take this anymore. I don't, I don't, I can't live. I can't Mm -hmm. live like this. Um, this is going to kill me just like mentally something Mm -hmm. I'm going to die. Like, um, and she kind of like told me some things that she did to combat it. And I was like, one of the main things she had said that I remembered was like, she just did the opposite of everything her mind told her to do. Mm -hmm. So like if, you know, I'm in front of that pastry case and it's like, don't eat those. My mind's like, don't eat those danishes. I'm going to eat as many danishes until I can't eat anymore. Even if I already had like a full meal. Mm-hmm. Um, or like if my mind says like, you better go running because you just ate all that. Like I'm not, I'm going to sit on my butt and do nothing. Um, so I remember like at the beginning that was kind of like revolutionary for mm-hmm. me. Like don't do what my mind says, right. like, which sounded really unhealthy, but I was like, I've been using this healthy crap long enough. Like mm-hmm. that's not really what it's about. Like it's I want my working. mind to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I need to switch. Something's got to switch. Like I don't even care what it is something has to switch and I remember um kind of following that which clearly that means the weight's gonna come on you know which was my fear but um but I remember it was almost like a stick it to the man like mm-hmm. yeah bring it bring it on and mm-hmm. I remember um like once I would I started gaining the weight or once um I was eating like I, I started realizing like oh my gosh I'm full like I actually feel full I'm, I don't need to eat anymore where like before I didn't even know when that was there was no like level of anything no awareness um and I was like, well, I'm full. Um, okay, I can stop eating now. And then it just became kind of normal. And then mm-hmm. I remember too, um, like some times when I realized I was like becoming healthier mentally. Um, I remember being at a wedding and there was like one of those booths um, where you can just take your own pictures mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was in charge of it. Um, and there's like those mirrors on the side and they're not like good mirrors mm-hmm. necessarily. But I remember hearing a girl say like, oh my gosh, this mirror makes me look so fat. And I remember like it sounded so foreign to me. And I, in that moment, I'm like, I'm not saying that to myself anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying those things anymore. And I started realizing that there was like something happening. Like Mm -hmm. it was, something was changing and it was really exciting. Um, and like, I feel, I feel like, yeah, my body changed, but then eventually like it, it just was, it just was what it was. And, Mm -hmm. and it didn't like, it seemed like it didn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like for, I don't know, like 10 years or something, I feel like that, was like that, like, I want to say worked for me, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. Like I felt great. Um, I felt like I was always advocating for, um, people to stop, you know, thinking the way I used to think, or I would hear a girl say a comment, like I'm fat and I'd immediately be like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's talk. We got to talk about this. Um, but like, as I have, you know, gotten older, um, my, my body doesn't work the same. So I can't just eat like the whole cake and like all the things because then like I'm sick and I'm like actually Mm -hmm. sick. Like I'm having diarrhea all night long. Um, but then it was with that, that I noticed like things started creeping in again. And it's like, you know, even just the other day talking to my therapist, I'm like, is this something that I'm going to have to like 
think about for the right. rest of my life. And cause you could probably, take it and run it. And totally. Point. Yeah. Um, so like I, I am in therapy and I do talk about it and I am constantly thinking about, um, you know, where is this going or where am I at or mm-hmm. how am I doing? Um, um, but, but it's like every single time that it comes up again, it's something, it's like a different layer. Like, mm-hmm. um, like realizing, wow, I am assigning worth to other people and myself based upon these things. Mm-hmm. Like that's a whole new thing that I'm caring about now and that yeah. I'm working on. Um, or, um, wow, I have a daughter now. I have a child. Like nothing how, makes it more real. Gosh, <laughs> like I do not ever want her to have to go through like the pain that I went through or to have to, um, see herself the way that I saw myself. Um, and so now thinking like, what's my conversation like in front of her? What, what are comments people make to her that I have to combat or that I'm saying like, don't talk to my daughter that way, or don't talk like that in front of her or mm-hmm. whatever it is. I feel like it's just so different. It's so real. Um, and scary. Cause I'm like, I keep thinking like, am I going to mess her up? Am I going to mess her up? What's going to mess her up? Oh no. Like, did I talk about that food too much? Oh shoot. Did I tell her like, you know, I'm telling her she needs protein. Should I not say that? Like, it's like mm-hmm. so confusing because now, um, I don't know what to do and what not to do or because, and since my mind is, um, is so different from my past and from my process, um, like, I don't know what it looks like on the outside and what she's going to internalize mm-hmm. from what is going on inside of me. Cause I'm sure I'm thinking about it more than I'm saying it, but I don't know really. Um, so I feel like it's, you know, we were kind of talking about like, what are some memories from childhood, teenage years, college, adult life? And it's like, I feel like this is going to be a continuous process. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm like 80 and I'm, you know, I don't know, hunched over or have osteoporosis or like whatever it might be that I, that I'm struggling with as, as an 80 year old woman, like, do I want to be still staring at myself in the mirror and saying like, I should, I should look like this or mm-hmm. I should look like that. Do I want to, like, is that where I want to be? And right. like, obviously the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I feel like it's like this constant process that constantly comes up for me. And like, does it look like those times where I'm like standing in front of the mirror, screaming, crying and like hating myself and saying, I don't deserve to live because of the way I look like, Mm -hmm. no, it never looks like that anymore. But there's still little things that creep in that I'm having to like, shoot, um, do I, I need to change something Mm -hmm. or shoot, this is happening. Or I said this to myself or, um, Seji said this, and that means she heard me say something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's scary. Yeah. Um, I just was thinking when you're sharing, um, I would be curious to know, and and maybe this would be helpful too, um, for like students and teachers and stuff. What, um, in what ways did you appear? Like, do you have any awareness of how you might've appeared like sitting in a classroom with these things going on? Like what kind of things do you feel like would have presented? Like, were you isolating, Hmm. you know, were your relationships suffering? Like, Hmm. you know, were you having a hard time concentrating, you know, things like that, that might've popped up. That's a really good question. I feel like, um, like if someone were looking at me in a classroom and were able, like the things that they would have seen, um, I talked a lot about the way that I looked because mm-hmm. I was seeking for compliments or mm-hmm. seeking Validation. for like, how are other people seeing me? Yeah. Kind of what you were saying earlier. Um, so constantly talking about it, making comments like, Oh, I feel fat today because mm-hmm. I want someone to say, no, you're, you're not, not fat, yeah. which is totally unhelpful by the way. Um, yeah, there's no good answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just <laughs> particularly when just you tell me that I'm a really or, good yeah. person or yeah. something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Get, make my focus different. Um, Your worth is not on your body, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gosh, yes. Um, I feel like that wasn't the message that was sent to me my entire life. Um, Mm -hmm. I, um, I think mood, Mm -hmm. um, like, oh, I, instead of having, 
like that bowl of cereal I normally have because I know what's in it and know how to count it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I had, um, like a pastry that is probably like five times the amount of calories or whatever. And so like that would set my day off like super grumpy Mm -hmm. or, um, down or, um, on edge. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of those types of things on Mm -hmm. edge down. Um, and then irritable, irritable, so Mm -hmm. irritable. Um, and then with like the diet pills and stuff, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I I'm yeah. obviously like out of that part of it, but I remember what, taking those things or It'd be so um, wired. Gosh. Yes. Well, cause they have all the, mm-hmm. you know, caffeine and stuff in them. Um, um, just feeling crappy, yeah. like feeling, just not feeling good. Do you ever remember feeling like disconnected from your body? That's a good question. My therapist has asked me that before and I, um, or like you have a higher pain tolerance because that tends to be a typical mm. thing where it's like, especially with the exercise, the people who struggle with the exercise piece, it's like they don't even know when they're, they've reached that limit because they aren't feeling it. I feel like I would feel it. I'd be aware of it, but I would um, push through it and do mm. it anyways. Um, like there would be times probably with injuries that I should have stopped, yeah. but it's like, no, I can't. How can I stop? I can't mm-hmm. stop. Um, so not that much of a disconnection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, in your, as you were sharing your story, uh, there was a couple parts where you kind of sprinkled, like you would have your diet Mountain Dew while you're reading your, mi- mm. your Bible for your morning devotional or like our times in early marriage, those like crazy mornings Gosh. before church. Um, and so like clearly God was in the picture mm. and then also clearly the, the eating disorder was in the picture. Like when, when did you really start to clearly like sense a um, dissonance between those two realities, like the, the God Christian part and the not liking the way you look or like when I think earlier you were mentioning, like when did, when did you notice it? It was a problem. problem. Yeah. Like that Hmm. this is not okay and something needs to change. Right. Cause when, when it sounded like you had a breaking point, but was there a point before that where you knew this wasn't okay, but continued anyway all the time. Yeah. Um, like when I would hide what I was doing, Mm -hmm. um, like I didn't want people to know that I was doing those things. Mm. Um, I didn't want them to know that I was standing in like, it was embarrassing. Like, you know, if you're in the bathroom at school or something and, and I'd be staring at myself trying to fix my clothes to look a certain way on my body so that when other people see me, it looks the way I know what it looks like as soon as I leave the bathroom. And then someone walks in seeing you do that. And it's like, Oh, I was caught. Like Mm -hmm. those types of feelings, um, were indicators that like, okay, something like, what am I doing? Something's wrong. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I, I feel like I always knew that it was not like, um, what God wanted for me. Mm. Like, I, I feel like I would constantly like beg God to take it away mm. or can't you just take it yeah. away? Can't when did you, you just... start to feel like it was a burden though? Cause I know you said it goes pretty far back to like fourth grade. So when did it become like where it was like, Oh, this is really difficult. <sighs> Probably high school. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just before high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say maybe just before it, because that's when I really started drinking a lot. Um, mm-hmm. like going into ninth grade. Mm-hmm just constant like parties and, um, but I think it's cause like, yeah, if everyone's intoxicated, no one Is knows, at, no yeah. one, you know, knows what I look like mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, or I don't, I'm not even aware of it right. so I can escape from it and numb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm like, gosh, going into freshman year, like I, I look at some of these girls now, you know, that I'm like older and I'm like, they're so little and sweet. Like thinking of me mm-hmm. then and that was what I was like mm-hmm. dealing with. Yeah. Um, it makes that you grow really. up a little too fast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. your story with all of us. Um, <laughs> you could, uh, one of the things I wanted to, I didn't want to just be like, okay, so here's all the causes and bad news, everyone. Um, <laughs> but like, I guess, well, first of all, you said, uh, Christina, you said you had some um, studies or, or some, I guess, information mm-hmm. that the correlate, like that discusses, like, I guess, Christianity and eating yeah. disorders. Could you share some of that with us? And then maybe sure. we'll get to like, what do we do about it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so there's, there's not a whole lot of research, but it's, it's growing, which is a good thing. Cause I think it actually needs to be studied. Um, they've measured things both on the spectrum of like the causing of eating or correlating with the beginnings of eating disorders and like how they were cultivated as well as the treatment side of things. Like if you go to a spiritually based program hmm. for a treatment. Um, so on the, on the like leading up to an eating disorder or ways that like Christianity, they they studied um, the biggest studies were Christianity, um, Catholicism, and Judaism. Oh. So those are kind of the main populations that they've studied as far as like the religious side of things. Um, and there is a lot of overlap with similar morals and stuff like that. So it, it can kind of be generalized to a certain extent. Um, but basically, what they found is a um, superficial kind of faith with God that doesn't really like has a lot of doubt and. Um, a lot of like negative associations with who God is hmm. um, that that was strongly correlated with like an increase in eating disorder symptoms hmm. um, and then if the person has a very um, congruent relationship with God and um, feels really like kind of it, it, it's I mean I'm totally interpreting it but almost like secure attachment with God Hmm. was correlated with better outcomes and better body image. So um, also the view of God as someone who is like punishing um, would be correlated more with the negative side. Like, Oh, he expects me to be perfect and you know, I deserve punishment or um, God, you know, feeling that shame even of being in an eating disorder um, and, and doing these things and feeling shame about it, that being a disconnecting thing from God and that would negatively impact how they can recover. Hmm. Um, so basically like the, even the body image piece of it, um, was pretty correlated with like, there's the, the moralism that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. that definitely negatively correlates with, um, eating disorders in that it it can produce more of that behavior with the perfectionism. Um, and some people will take the whole, like my body is a slave and go too far. Mm. Um, or there's even some stuff about like how Jesus is portrayed in pictures Mm. about how he's always like this fit man um and you know even though we don't know what like specifically he looked like super specifically but like you know even that is sort of like a measurement of like oh he was very you know fit and in shape and i need to look like you know Mm. um but the other thing too just in my practice what i've seen um the perfectionism is a big piece the other thing is that it's a lot easier to hide an eating disorder as uh like than it is to hide a lot of other mental illness. Okay. A lot more people are going to be accepting of you engaging in those behaviors than they would if you're engaging in things like Mm self-harm or, you know, other negative coping that like angry outbursts or whatever. So it's almost like this sideways way to kind of be sneaky to, to like, you know, have an outpouring, Mm -hmm. um, of emotions. And it does also correlate with, I know you guys have done, um, self-harm and depression before, um, high correlation with those two. So, um, and in fact, in eating disorders, um, you'll find 
find that people will fixate on a certain part of their body and that will be where they self-harm to punish themselves for that part of their body not being what they want it to be. Um, But the same dynamic of like not not feeling like they can go to somebody about it. Um, Not feeling like feeling the shame about it, feeling like they're going to be judged about it. Um, And, you know, there's actually this whole thing like it was referring to if you actually look up muscular Christianity, it's like a thing. Oh, my word. Awesome. So, yeah. there's yeah so there there's a lot of ways that like the christian world intersects with it and there's a lot of really great things that come out of it um like if you have a really good relationship with god that's very authentic and you feel like that's a supportive um and soul feeding kind of a thing then um it predicts really positive outcomes um but if you feel like you know god's just there to bring down the hammer and point the finger and shame you or you feel like your salvation is at risk, you know, things like that, then that would definitely correlate with more negative outcomes. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So (laughs) so what do we do? Like (laughs) um, maybe like what, what do you do? Um, so that like, as far as like in your practice, Mm -hmm. um, like what, what does the, I guess, mental health community do? Um, and then like those of us who are like the lay people who are in the classroom, who are having dinner with, who are, um, doing in mentorship relationships, like, yeah, what, what do we do? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. Um, so start with what you do and then maybe like help us to know what, what to do and what not to do. Uh, I mean, treatment is very individualized and it also because so eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Mm. Um, so it's a very, very serious thing. Um, and, uh, it trumps even like suicidality and everything. Like it's the most deadly. So I was asking him, like, is that because the actual eating disorder kills them or because they kill themselves? Okay. The eating disorder kills them, but there is also a high prevalence of suicidal, Um, suicidality amongst people with eating disorders because they get to such a hopeless place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And self-hatred is kind of mixed right in there. Yes. So so treatment-wise, it's important that the person gets to the right level of care. Hmm. Um, There's multiple levels of care. Uh, Katie mentioned that she knew somebody who had been hospitalized. That's the highest Mm -hmm. level of care is inpatient in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a couple of programs that do inpatient treatment. Um, And that would be when you're medically, totally medically compromised. Like Mm -hmm. you've got, you know, low heart rate, um, really low blood pressure. You're, you know, all of your vitals are off. So, um, and like blood work and everything. Um, And so that would be when you're at inpatient level of care. Once you're medically stable, you might still be like not at a great place, but at least like you're not imminently in danger of death. Um, Then you would go to residential level of care. um, And that's, you know, usually 30, 60, 90 days, something like that, depending on how your body responds to um, the process, because either you're going to be refeeding if you're on the anorexic spectrum or you're going to be regulating your food intake and regulating your body back to a space where it can actually start operating on its own because the loss of hunger and satiety cues like you were talking about is a very real thing and it makes it very difficult to just do this on your own you know um because you kind of need to have some structure around it um and then the next level of care would be what we call partial hospitalization but it's basically day treatment um so multiple hours every day um and then you would step down from there to iop um and then from there to just like like outpatient where you see a therapist and a dietitian um the important important thing is that with eating disorder treatment, there always needs to be a team. Hmm. So um, there should be a therapist, a dietitian, a medical doctor, and a psychiatrist. Um, that's typically the team. Got it. 
um, not everybody who has an eating disorder has to be on medications, but it's a good thing to get evaluated because mm-hmm. um, depression and eating disorders are a chicken and egg kind of a deal. So yeah. um, sometimes depression can lead to eating disorders and then malnourishment leads to depression. So mm-hmm. um, it can go either way. Yeah. Um, so figuring out if there's another underlying thing going on that's contributing um also with the obsessive nature of eating disorders it overlaps with ocd so um just making sure that you have some sort of support in that area to manage that severity um because that can be very intrusive um so then what i do family therapy is usually involved Mm -hmm. because they need a good support system so it that could that doesn't have to be mom and dad that can also that can be um you know, a safe friend that can be a sibling that can be a best friend that could be a boyfriend that could be a husband or wife or girlfriend. Like it can be anyone who they feel is like a support system Mm. Um, because you want some outside eyes on it to make sure that things don't get too level because when you're in it, you won't see when it's gotten really bad. You won't see when you're on the verge of passing out until you're like on the floor. Yeah. Um, so having an extra set of eyes is really important. The other thing is um, kind of coming back circle to body image. They usually say body image is the last thing that the last stand that your eating disorder will take. So, you know, starting to eat intuitively and mindfully is a big deal. Um, kind of Katie, what you were saying is like breaking the chains of the eating disorder. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, for you, it was, I have to include foods for other people. It needs to be, um, like even when people binge on like sweets and stuff, they need to have a better relationship with those sweets because they usually are binging on them because they're restricting them. Right. Yeah. Um, and so getting back in touch with your hunger and satiety cues is a part of treatment, um, getting you back into a regular routine of nutrition, addressing any, um, relational issues that are going on, Mm. addressing, um, and giving new coping skills, um, for how to deal with strong emotions, Mm. um, emotional intelligence, growing emotional intelligence is a huge part of treatment. How, like we were talking about that, like kind of resiliency, how do I, um, manage the fact that I feel everything without falling apart, without totally like decompensating. Like how can I put a barrier around my own self and my own feelings and kind of keep it in a safe way, but only be like, and I can let people in, but being more careful about who that is. What are the feelings I'm feeling? Cause a lot of times mm. they don't even know, right. you know, they like sometimes in, in our treatment, we literally are waiting for the day that they like yell at someone. Mm. Because they won't let anything out. Right. And we're just like, they'll yell at us and be like, yes, that's a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so that is a big deal. Um, and, you know, with the Christian side of treatment, um, the being created in God's image and really um, disconnecting from the worth being yeah. about your size. Yep. Hmm. Um, finding your worth in Christ, finding your worth in um, the fact that we are all created in his image and he created us all differently and no one is supposed to be the same as you. Mm. Um, That thin ideal is completely unrealistic. Um, In fact, they did studies, it's like only 5% of our population fits that ideal. Mm. Um, And our bodies all have a set point. That's the other thing I teach a lot is everybody has a set point. So everybody has like kind of a range their body likes to stay in. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to your body, you, you eat when you're hungry, Um, And you can eat for pleasure as well, Um, but just kind of releasing the chains of that, um, that your body will actually find a resting point and you'll Mm. stay there within a few pounds. Like you'll stay right there. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's what you found, Katie. Right. Like, you know, at first it was like, I have all this freedom with food. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, now that I feel well, hungry and full <laughs> then, again, yeah. I have to kind of put the container back on appropriately. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, and talking about like your recovery process, recovery can be, um, you know, it can come up in different phases of mm-hmm. life in yep. different ways. Like you said, like once you're a parent, once pregnancy can be a huge trigger. I was expecting that, but yeah. I I guess I don't know. But it can't. <laughs> I felt it great. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But no, it totally. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. our post postpartum, I should say, is more of a trigger yeah. than the actual pregnancy mm-hmm. because you can kind of wrap your brain around the fact that your body has to change to accommodate a child yeah. in there. Yeah. Um. But being aware of your triggers is another part. So what are the things that make that pop up for you? Yeah. Um. So I think those those are like the big kind of go tos. But yeah. as far as for what you guys do, um. One of the things I would say is to notice the kid who's always the perfect kid. Mm. Yeah. So they're not they're going to fly under the radar real nicely because they're going to be the one who's compliant. They're usually yep. very people pleasing. Um, they're going to be getting the A's. They're going to be memorizing the stuff. They're going to be yep. doing all the things. They're in the AP classes yes. and playing the sports and yes. on student government because it's a Christian school and you can do all those things at the same time. Ugh. Absolutely. Um, you don't have to choose about like, between anything in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I felt like was kind of um helpful for me um like that you said is that like they need a support network and Mm -hmm. I feel like oftentimes when we talk about kids needing therapy it's sort of like okay you as a bible teacher or you as a teacher who's a mentor you can help the kids up to a certain point and then once it gets to a level where they need clinical help then you say okay go see a therapist I'm Mm -hmm. done with you um but realizing that like I feel like it's not like a, okay, well, I'm not a therapist, so I need to stop talking with you. But it it could even be saying like, hey, if you're not comfortable going to therapy with your parents and they're cool with it, like, what if I'm your support? Mm -hmm. Or like, if you have a close friend, like, Mm -hmm. can can they be integrated into the the therapy? So that way, it's not just like, okay, well, I can't help you. So I'm going to brush you off onto a professional that you don't know. Right. Um, But like helping that kind of integrate and like continuing that support net, I feel like. Yeah. I, is like at least freeing for me because I've always yes. felt like if it's a certain type of yep. like if a kid is like wanting to harm themselves, mm-hmm. then I just like shut them down and call the, the yeah. psychologist and I can't talk yeah. to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, no, I can still talk t- with right. you and I can still help you. But like your condition is beyond mm-hmm. what I can do by myself. So right. what I should do. Yeah. Right. Well, and eating disorders are extremely isolating. Yeah. Um, and so the support network, you got to get people. It's you guys have talked about this, but like putting it in the light, like we got to get yeah. it into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it thrives in the darkness and it thrives in isolation. Yeah. Um, so you have to bring it out. So if there's even one person who knows about it, that's yeah. better. It's yeah. already better. Awesome. Um, and having someone you can call when you're riding that wave of that urge to do something, you know, when you're riding that wave of that urge to like, you know, exercise for two hours because you had a regular meal, Mm -hmm. you know, like who do you call? Like, is there someone you can reach out to? Therapy is once a week. Like you need someone who's there. Like the day to day. Yeah. And I mean, you guys can, you guys see them often, um, you know, in the classroom and it's not that you need to be therapists, but you can also follow up. Like how, how's everything going with that? Like, you know, um, um, and so the support network and the team approach is extremely important, even including, you know, like I've worked with schools with ch- with kids with eating disorders mm-hmm. or adolescents with eating disorders um, and or with coaches, yeah. you know, because yeah. there's it's kind of like, yeah. OK, don't weigh th- like blind way that per- blind way that student so they don't see their weight and obsess about yeah. it or, um, you know, things like that when it comes to like 
you know, if it's a certain sport, like track or whatever, like, okay, like you have to be aware that this is going on and I'll Mm -hmm. get consent to do that. Um, Because if I'm sitting there and I'm talking to them, but nothing else is changing, like there's so many things in their environment that are going to only reinforce it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a question that I had because we've had students who, you know, for a period of time left school to go to like Mm -hmm. a treatment center. Um, And I, you know, hear of those students still, you know, here years later and, it's still like they had to go back again mm-hmm. or, and I don't know what kind of treatment that was. I know maybe it was like a, they were there like almost all day mm-hmm. or I don't know if they spent the night there, but, um, so then, you know, I know my own process knowing it's going to come up constantly, um, in different ways, but then just thinking like, so for those types of treatments, like, is that common that it's just like forever? I'm going to have to just, when it gets really bad, I go back in, I admit myself back into this program mm-hmm. or like, how does that work? Like, is there a point where you see the clients that are like, wow, they really, like, mm-hmm. they don't need this anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, it's super, like, a big spectrum again. Right, um, but I literally yeah. have somebody, um, I've had a client that I saw all the way through, like, um, partial hospitalization, so, like, a day program that's, like, seven hours a day. Okay. Um, Monday, it was, like, Monday through Saturday, seven hours a day. So um, started there, and they went all the way to my private practice, so they worked through all those levels of care. Um, and I could actually say they no longer suffer with an eating disorder. Wow. Like, it's not even a thing. Wow. Um, so it is possible. Um, that's not to say that life happens yeah. and stress happens. <laughs> yes. And, you know, something changes and then it like the gremlin yeah. pops up again. That's yep. a, it's like gremlin, I always um, yeah. I always use like the term like the ED voice or Ed. Um, so it's like you can separate it out from your true authentic self because yeah. this isn't really what you want for yourself. Mm. So it's like, OK, this is Ed talking. But like they have the awareness now and they can be like, oh, there's that voice again. Mm. And they don't have to listen to it. Like you were saying, you don't have to listen to your thoughts. If you can separate out that your thoughts don't have to dictate your actions. Mm. Um, then when it pops up again, you're like, oh, there it is again. And you don't you don't have to go into shaming yourself of like why is this still happening yeah. why is it still popping up it's just like oh there it is again there's that gremlin it's kind of chirping at me i'm gonna put it like back in its place mm-hmm. you know like i don't have to listen to it, it. Loses its power yeah, yeah. Cool. um and so i think that that's that's really powerful for a lot of people is to be able to externalize it but also to just know when there's things that come up in life stress is always going to be <laughs> a trigger yeah. yep that's cool um uh, what about like, are there things that we need to stop doing? Like, are there things that, like, people who are, like, mentors or adult figures that they unconsciously do to mm-hmm. reinforce or make things worse? Like, are there things that we can... Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I would love Katie to start because, yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I just remember, like, when I would throw out those comments to get the feedback I wanted to get, um, and people would, you know, do all the affirming, like, you're not fat, look at you, like, you're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. That is not at all what I actually needed. That was Mm. not healthy. That continued the cycle of my worth is here, um, you know, lies in that. And, um, I, like, I feel like, yeah, it wasn't until my adult years when people would actually, we talk about where my worth lies and, Mm. um, how I see my own worth and the worth of other, you know, for me, women, like looking, you know, at, you know, giving them worth, uh, assigning worth to them based upon how they looked. Um, like it wasn't until it like clicked finally in my adult years. So it's like the people all my entire life are always telling you, no, you're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that was so unhelpful and just like mm-hmm. perpetuated mm-hmm. the, the Reinforce cycle. It. Yes. Yeah. And I think you said it earlier, like maybe a, a better default response. Cause I feel like in that moment when like I'm kind like part of my personality is I am a people pleaser. And so when I hear people throw out those comments, I'm like, okay, I have to say what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, But like knowing, 
no, what they want is not what they need. Yes. Um, yes. And saying what they need instead, mm-hmm. um, which you said earlier, like, hey, your value isn't in the way you look. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a better way? Should is that just should that be? You're a default. You need like, a default response, like, I need don't to, you? I need, <laughs> I need I a script it for it. Yes. Can you script it for me? Thanks. Wait, hold on. Let me pull out my uh, script. One yeah. second. Yeah. Um, but something, to, something to that extent yeah. that that like draws mm-hmm. us away from. Yeah. That. I think it's yeah. So I think making any sort of body comment is going to be unhelpful. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very unhelpful. And, and honestly, it, like, there's a lot of movements going on, including health at every size um, and body positive, that are kind of trying to gear away from that being a part of our culture. Like, yes. why do we even need to comment yep. on people's bodies? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's one thing to say somebody's beautiful. It's another to be like, oh my god, you're so thin. I wish I looked like you. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, and you probably got that. <laughs> so it was annoying. like, oh, you, you know, I'd kill to look like you. And it's like that's not helpful. Yeah. No. Um, so commenting on bodies, size and any sort of body comments are just not going to be welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like complimenting a person on the inside is always a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say one of the unhelpful things that people tend to do with eating disorders is like, why can't you just eat? Like, just eat a cheeseburger here. I'm just going to give you food. Mm-hmm. Eat some sandwiches. Because at the end yeah. of the day, even though it's about the food, it's not about the food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the underlying thing is not food itself. It's just yeah. this is what we have. Like this is the coping skill that they've adopted to yeah. deal with the other things yeah. that are going on. Yeah. Um, and they're already obsessing about food. They already are thinking about it. You don't need to add to that. Um, so the the eating part. The other thing I would say is if you're going to address something with a student you have concerns about, do it in private. Mm. Um, never do it in public. Mm-hmm. Watch out for other students' comments. Mm. Kind of keep yeah. an ear open if yeah. they're making comments like, oh, my God, like Susie's so skinny or, oh, my God, Susie's so overweight or whatever, like those kinds of things. Like keep an ear yep. out for that. Yeah. Um, especially because like in the class, like if I'm as mm-hmm. the teacher, I'm hearing it. That means like that student is hearing it like eight times more. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's so much. More they're only in your class for that amount of time yeah. and then they go out and it's everywhere. Yep. Gosh. That's true. Well, um, and it, I would say the one other thing that I think is unhelpful is um, any sort of like, I mean, I guess it goes along with what we're already saying, but any sort of like reinforcement of diet culture. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I think as far as like if, if we have people out there, mm-hmm. not if. So for the people out there <laughs> who are, are struggling with um, body image or eating disorders, um, are there like some resources that you like clearly like getting a good therapist is, is yeah. always a good place to go. But like, um, are there any like resources or places that you would like you could point people mm-hmm. to as like a good place to start like either reading or growing or like mm-hmm. are the Instagram accounts they can follow or are there mm-hmm. like websites they should read? Like mm-hmm. are there things that you could point to that would be useful to people out there? Um, so there's actually an Instagram called the body positive and yes. it's fantastic. <laughs> um, definitely <laughs> recommend that. Okay. Um, I also would recommend, um, NEDA, N-E-D-A, um, National Eating Disorders Association. They have a ton of information. Okay. Um, and they actually have a whole toolkit for educators, oh, um, which is amazing. Um, and it also talks about how to talk to parents um, side note, I, w- I wanted to mention this earlier. I totally forgot. Um, I and my colleagues, we have made, had to make CPS reports yeah. about 
this because it is such a health compromising issue mm-hmm. that if the parents don't follow up, there needs to be a report. Right. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, yep. And we know. are yeah. we are mandated reporters. Yes. So yeah. yes. So like we really got to be you know, like cover our butts. Yeah. Like with the cutting <laughs> thing. It's like oh, it's easy to see that that's harmful to their bodies, but some people don't realize how harmful this is. Right. Right. And so no one like reports it. And depending mm-hmm. on the happen. home they're coming from, yeah. it, the parents could be dealing with it as well and see it as totally normal or encouraging it. And yeah. also, yeah, also it? FYI, if it is a situation mm-hmm. where you feel like that child would be in some sort of like either harm emotionally or otherwise for you making that report you can always make it anonymous too right okay so that's always an option um and you can actually i actually have had um clients in the room with me to make the report so they know what i said and Got it right. just includes them in the process yeah. so i know sometimes it can be very anxiety provoking to do that but at the same time what you're modeling is like i'm doing this because i care about you and i want yeah. you to be a part of it yeah you know, um, but back to resources. So Nita, um, the body positive is a great, um, Instagram account, um, health at every size or the Hayes movement. Um, you can look up H A E S and you'll find it everywhere. Um, those are really good resources. Eating disorder. Hope is a website that is specifically Christian. Okay. Um, and so they have a lot of great resources and articles and stuff like that for Christian, therapy and um kind of christian outlook on everything um and how eating disorders interplay with a lot of different variables so that's very helpful as well um and just to be aware of like where your local treatment centers are um because i know you probably have listeners from all kinds of different counties and everything Mm -hmm. um but i mean i'm not plugging where i worked but center for discovery is a really well-known one um but there's also like eating disorder center um there's a lot of different ones if you were to look them up. Okay. Um, but eat, just know where your treatment centers are. Okay. And then also don't be afraid to like, you know, if you feel like a student is looking like they're about to pass out or they pass out during the day, like maybe calling 911 or like calling, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just like because it's such a high risk health and also to look out when you are with somebody with an eating disorder to look out for the other self-injurious kinds of things. Yeah. So it's good to know. Well, Thank you, Christina, for sharing your expertise and wisdom and experience with us. And Katie, thank you for sharing your story and your like your own personal expertise with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those of you who are listening out there who are teachers, educators, mentors, um, keep your eyes and your ears open um, and affirm people for who they are um, and help foster peace um, not just we always push peace with God and others but um, really helping build people to have peace with themselves peace peace